Hi, this is Craig Tim, and I want to thank you for tuning in today. God's message are inspirational words of His wisdom. They're inspirations to help us overcome what we deal with on a day-to-day basis. And one of the things that we deal with are all of the worries, all of the unknowns, all of the stressors that life throws us. And it's called chaos. And the title of his message today is giving us clarity of chaos. Now you all know that the enemy loves to stir up and cause chaos and attempt to get us off track. But to start off today, let me ask you, what track are you on? Where are you headed today? Do you even know what track you're on? Hold on to that. The definition of chaos is complete disorder and confusion, and yes, I would have to agree with that for sure. How many times have you said to your spouse something like, this house is full of chaos, we've got to get control of this place? I know I have over the years, that's for sure. Sometimes it is just chaos. Now, there's a few synonyms that you're going to recognize. Disorganization, pandemonium, havoc, turmoil, disruption, lawlessness, and even mayhem, just like the guy in the Allstate commercials. See, the enemy delights in bringing chaos confusion to our lives each day. But our God, he desires to do things decently and in order. Now, the chaos mess that we make is quite often brought on by our own lawlessness and recklessness, which is called sin. That's the bottom line. Let's just be blunt about it. It's called sin. 1 John 3, 4 says, Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. Right there, God's word says what lawlessness is. It's sin. That's what we're doing. Now, at the beginning of the 21st century, it seems that all the human beings are are faced with huge dilemma. You see, our understanding of the world that we live in is greater now than at any other time in history. Yet, our understanding of our our place in this world is perhaps at its lowest point ever right now. When was the last time you prayed with honesty, conviction, and boldness? When would you say the last time was? When was the last time that you prayed with such intensity that people around you thought something might be wrong because it was so out of the ordinary for you? Now, during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submissions. God sees our radical obedience. Let me ask you another question. What do you think of when you say radical? How about dramatic? It's new. It's bold. It's outside the box. It's away from the norm, quote norm, in the life of normalcy. The word radical actually comes from the Latin radix. R-A-D-I-X. And this means root. So when you're rooted, you can be radical. In 1 Samuel 
Samuel must confront King Saul, who was grown more religious, but becoming all the more less obedient. What is happening to Saul? He is losing his footedness. That's what it is. He is no longer obeying God. In 1 Samuel 15.22, it says, But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. Now, is Samuel trying to change the ways of life by saying that the sacrifices are not important any longer? No, not at all. He's not saying that at all. He is telling Saul to check his spirit for as to why he was even making sacrifices versus the sacrifice itself. If a person's heart is not truly repentant, the sacrifice it just becomes a hollow ritual. And being religious, like going to church, oh, serving, giving to a charity, or, or some other volunteer work. See, being religious like that is not enough if you do not act out of devotion and obedience to God. It's hollow. It's shallow. It's just, quote, being religious. That's what you're trying to do with that attitude. Chaos is a word that we, as Americans, understand in a way that we never understood it before. In the years past here, we've discovered what real chaos is. How about the horror that we witnessed with the bombing of the federal building in Oklahoma City and all the chaos that followed? And of course, September 11, 2001 is a date that, to use the words of Franklin Roosevelt, says that date will live in infamy. The pictures of airplanes deliberately crashing into the World Trade Center in the Pentagon will be etched upon our psychics forever. And we know that this present darkness can do to the people as we've witnessed the image of school shootings in Paducah, Columbine, and the shootings in Las Vegas and Austin, in Omaha, Indianapolis, and many other cities. It seems that every week we hear about another shooting of innocent moms and dads brothers, sisters, best friends, even children now are getting caught up in these chaotic times. And when someone speaks of anthrax, smallpox, E. coli, and nuclear warheads, immediately we have this picture of chaos that bioterrorism and war might bring upon us. But our God is a God who brings meaning and order out of all this chaos. The essence of creation confirms this. Look at the first five verses of the Bible. This is to inform us that God brought creation out of chaos. What are those words? In the beginning, God created. What did he create? The heavens and the earth. Now the earth, this was a formless and an empty darkness over the surface of the deep. The earth was without form. It was unshaped, undeveloped, and unfinished. These are tough words, words of chaos and hopelessness at the time. But maybe that's the whole point here we're talking about. So all of us at some time or another have found something about our lives that can be described with words like formless or empty or darkness. 
And as we go into the world, we come face to face with other people who feel as if there are words that describe their lives as well. They feel as if there is no hope that everything is formless and empty and that darkness covers everything in their lives. Have you ever felt as if everything was out of order in your life? Has there ever been a time when you just could not get things back on track? Like nothing was really fitting together properly. The, the, there was missing pieces. The puzzle could never come back, to, could not get together. There's been lost pieces, let's say. Something of an analogy like that. You could never properly fit it together again. And many of us say things like, nothing ever works out right. Or my personal life's a mess. My career is in shambles. Here's a famous one I've heard a lot. This is not how I plan my life to be. See, there is only one way to have our lives move from the chaotic to the state where there is real peace and real order. And we need God's creative power. We must put our lives in his hands and let him direct us. God has a plan for all of us, a perfect plan. And yet so many of us are chasing our tails. Our family lives may be dysfunctional. Our finances may be a mess. We may have relationship problems. Our lives may be constantly in upheaval. Why? Because too many of us are trying to live life according to our wisdom to achieve our own desires. And when we're calling the shots, God isn't. And when we're calling the shots, we're devoid of God's creative power. But the good news is that there is no chaos that is too great for God to be able to turn into order. The Bible tells us that Abraham believed this. God gives life to the dead, and calls things that are not as though they were. And because Abraham believed this, he became the father of many nations. Nothing is impossible with God. Many people complain about the meaningless of life. And some people get to the point where they're ready to give up on life. Not necessarily because of the hardships they're facing, but because of their boredom, the monotony, the lack of purpose. This is what King Solomon felt whenever he looked at life on earth without reference to God. Read his book of Ecclesiastes because he cries out, meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. In other words, it's all in vain. Life is just about passing of time. And without God, this is true, yes. We exist, but nothing more. Only God can turn empty years into full seasons. Aren't those seasons wonderful? Each one of them has their own peculiar beauty. I love the seasons. God created all of them. He hung those stellar bodies in place and he marked out the seasons for us. Only God can make the days and the weeks flow together in rhythm like a master conductor directing a magnificent orchestra piece. All to sound as one musical peace. And only God can put meaning and purpose into your life. Only he can do that. You can't. I can't. Only God can do that. As Christians, we still experience those difficult seasons. Yes, trials, hardships. There is a winter as well as a spring. But God causes even those times to have purpose. 
And we soon learn that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. And as we look back on those tough times and see what God has done in our lives and, and through our lives, it is amazing we made it through some of them. Yes, I have to admit that too. But in hindsight, we are always glad that we went through them. We learned so much and we grew so much. And yes, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the deep. But you know what? The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. What an incredible gift to know that when we need God the most, God is right there. He's waiting for us to turn to him, waiting to create life in an otherwise empty world. And when we get to the point in our lives when it seems as if everywhere we look, there is nothing but darkness right there on the edge, we will find God, the light of the world. God is always there. He's waiting. He's watching. He's wanting to create something extraordinary in our lives. And you know what? If we're willing to let him, this is exactly what he does. The Bible tells us that anyone who comes to Christ Jesus is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And on the first day, God gave the earth light. But it was not the sun and the moon kind of light that we, we recognize. His was a divine light. Yes, God brought light to the earth three days before he made the sun and the moon and the stars. It was his divine light. And that's the first thing God does when he begins working in our lives. He fills us with his divine light. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And John chapter 1 tells us that in him was life and that life was the light of men. So when we turn to God, we find the light of Jesus Christ. We discover a hope and a promise and a future. We discovered much to our amazement that God has been there all along. And now, as we trust him, he's going to do great things in your life. Now, some of us have loved ones who've heard the gospel countless times, but they're still far away from God. The fact is, we can put the truth right under their noses, but they can't see it because of the darkness they're in. What they need is an infusion of God's light so that they can see the truth. Now, the ninth plague that Moses brought upon the land of Egypt, remember that? Because Pharaoh still wouldn't let his people go, God's people go. The ninth plague was the plague of darkness. Exodus chapter 10 tells us that this darkness was so thick it could be, quote, felt. You could Feel it, it was so thick, like that thick fog that forms over our grounds during these damp, moist spring days as the seasons are changing. Remember that? It is so thick sometimes you can't even see 50 meters in front of you. That's how thick it was on that plague of darkness. It was so intense that no Egyptian moved from their bed for three days. But while the Egyptians were in darkness... Just down the road, the Israelite slaves had light in their dwellings. 
Yeah, there may be darkness all around, but wherever God commands light to shine, it shines bright. And there are still dark moments in our lives, and there are many times that we can become confused and we're unsure, or, or actually we can't even see the path to take it. We're kind of caught up in that dark. But are we going to go left? Or maybe we're supposed to go right. What? Which way am I supposed to go? Which way are you supposed to go? When we seek the Lord, His light comes flooding through like a huge spotlight. And when we read the Bible and we meditate on God's Word, and then we ask for guidance through prayer, God turns the darkness we're in into light. And as He does this, He begins to point out the things in our lives that threaten to destroy us. And now we can see what those things are. And as the light of God begins to shine on our lives, it reveals our sin, the sin that Christ died for us on. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Life is not measured by the accumulation of things. It's not measured in days or years. Full life, abundant life, is measured by our character, by our love. It is measured by our relationship with God. That's how our life is measured. And when God created mankind, Adam and Eve, he created them to have fellowship with him. And when God gives us new life, it is again for that same reason to have intimate fellowship with him. If we want to know what really means to have life, not empty life, not formless life, not life that is filled with darkness, but real life, life that is filled with real peace, real joy, real love. We must come to Jesus Christ to find that. That's what you need to do. Only the God who created the world can create real life in us. God wants us to have an intimate relationship with him. That's the reason he, Jesus died on the cross in the first place, so that we could receive eternal life through him and be adopted into God's family. And God desires an intimate relationship with every single one of us. We have been created in God's image so that we can have fellowship with him, have meaningful lives. God wants us to be fruitful. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a person remains in me and I in them, then he or she will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Isn't that what is wrong with much of the world today? So many lives are formless, empty, and dark. It's chaos abound. That's the problem. But in Jesus Christ, we have form. We have purpose. We have meaning. We have light. His light. We have redemption. Formless, emptiness, darkness. Yeah, there is a lot of that around all the time. But when God of creation looks at us, he sees what we can become. And as Christians, the Lord wants us to have vision and clarity so that we know where we came from, from where we are and where we are going. Vision speaks of the future, but clarity, that speaks of the present. Therefore, before you have vision, you need to have clarity. Clarity brings confidence, strength, direction, power, and knowledge. Clarity produces vision. Vision produces actions. Actions produce lifestyle. Lifestyle produces destiny. Think of it this way. Clarity is the starting point. Vision is the path. 
actions of the vehicle. Lifestyle is the journey, and destiny is the legacy. The Word of God brings clarity to the present, and clarity in the present determines your future. God can take all the broken pieces, all the broken dreams, all the broken up lives, and recreate them into something. Something, uh, as the hymn says, something beautiful, something good. All my confusion Christ understood. All I had to offer him was brokenness and strife, but he made something beautiful of my life. How about that? Now, as we begin to close here today, I want to share one more thought with you. Well, while Jesus was preparing to give his Sermon on the Mount, he pulled his disciples aside momentarily to warn them about the temptations and the hatred that they were going to encounter when professing his teachings. He told them, if you're here for popularity and fame and fortune, you should leave right now because you're not going to receive any of that. Quite the contrary. You can expect ridicule. You can expect being scorned at, even persecuted, because my teaching will be offensive to many. Jesus was basically giving them an opportunity to leave if they were not totally committed no matter what. He wanted them to know what was coming in front of them if they stayed. But if they were to stay, though, he assured the disciples that God would reward them. And the same goes for us, my friends. The teachings of Jesus were radically different than any of the other teachings from the leaders in Jerusalem. And to follow him, we must also be prepared for the negativities and those that might, quote, spit on us and call us names. But we too can rest in knowing that God's promise to take care of us for eternity is assured by all of his promises. God is calling all of us out of the ordinary, out of the predictable, and all out of the familiarity. He is calling us into a radical life of obedience. Matthew 5, 5 says, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Surrendered, rooted people can thrive in the world of chaos. And so will you. I'm sure of it. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for taking care of us. Thank you for giving us your light that we can see through the darkness around us each day. But your light chases the darkness away. And it is no longer there. So when we are with you and... <clears throat> holding on to your word and holding on to your promises, that darkness will never be there. Thank you for all of those promises. Thank you for the creations that you've made of us and how you are going to take care of us. Pray blessings over our listeners. Pray blessings over their family. Lord, let them be a radical, a radical disciple for you and your word. In Jesus' name, amen.